Cutting through an overload of information to get to the heart of the story. This is The Point. The Chinese Foreign Ministry has summoned U.S. Ambassador to China Nicholas Burns after U.S. Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi landed in the Taiwan region. Chinese uh, Vice Foreign Minister Shifeng called Pelosi's trip a willful act to violate China's red line and the China-U.S. joint communiques, the political foundation of bilateral ties. He also noted that the U.S. administration indulged rather than restrained Pelosi's trip. China has responded with multiple statements and live fire drills around the island immediately after Pelosi landed in Taipei. What's the impact of uh, her sneaky visit to Taiwan on cross-strait relations? What's the rationale behind China's reaction before and after she landed? Welcome to this special edition of The Point with me, Liu Xing. To discuss these questions and more, I'm pleased to be joined from Guangzhou, southern China, by Professor Chen Dingding with the School of International Studies Jina University from Washington DC by Peter Kuznick, history professor and director at the Nuclear Studies Institute of the American University and from Islamabad, Pakistan by Senator Mushahid Hussein, chairman of Pakistan's Senate Defense Committee. Gentlemen, the warmest welcome to the show. So to highlight some of the reactions we are seeing this morning and since last night. Upon her landing in Taipei, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs of China issued a statement which highlighted how serious the matter is in China's eyes. In Chinese, there were a series of five serious, um, the use of the word serious um, in five times in the first paragraph, for instance, it says this is a serious violation of the one China principle and the provisions of the three China-U.S. joint communiques. It has a severe impact on the political foundation of China-U.S. relations and seriously infringes upon China's sovereignty and territorial integrity. It gravely undermines peace and stability across the Taiwan Strait and sends a seriously wrong signal to the separatist forces for Taiwan independence. So let me go to Professor Chen here to talk about the uh, visit itself. Uh, according to the published itinerary of uh, Pe Speaker Pelosi, she was leading a congressional delegation to Southeast Asian countries and regions, but it never confirmed that Taiwan was on the list of the itinerary and the trip was uh, never announced. We only knew for sure she was arriving uh, only after her plane started to head north after heading east last night. A lot of people were watching on their phone closely. So why did she literally sneak into the island against all odds? Well, uh, thank you, Liu Xin, for inviting me uh, to be here first. And I think you used the, the right word, uh, sneak, uh, very well. I think this is uh, her strategy uh, to downplay, uh, you know, the, the kind of a violation of uh, Chinese uh, one China principle and our uh, sovereignty and integrity. And of course, this uh, uh, political trick uh, would never work. But from uh, her point of view, I think she uh, understood perfectly uh, the seriousness of uh, her, you know, sneaking into uh, Taiwan and uh, the all these uh, political and uh, other consequences of this uh, sneaking into sneaking visit. So I think she tried to uh, downplay the uh, seriousness of this matter, but uh, I think it will not work because uh, the U.S. government also understood very clearly from the very beginning uh, how serious this could be uh, for U.S.-China relations, uh, for uh, regional uh, peace and stability. Uh, and now I think uh, maybe she's regretting uh, uh, this whole event and the behavior, but I think uh, it's a, a serious violation of uh, China. Mm. Uh, you, China right. 
I have been following you on the social media and I've noticed you're one of the minority, I would say, who insisted from the very beginning that she would make the trip. What made you insist on that? What made you so sure that she would eventually carry it out? Well, remember uh, back in April, sometime in April, she already leaked to the press that she could uh, pay a visit to Taiwan back in April. But uh, somehow she got infected uh, by COVID and then she had to cancel the trip to Taiwan. So we know from uh, uh, this kind of uh, uh, you know practice before, it's not easy to arrange a kind of, uh, you know, uh, for a visit or, or, you know, this kind of international trip, right? So it, you know, it had to be planned uh, well advanced uh, for several months. So for example, and also, uh, you know, we back in April, we already, uh, you know, made an assessment that uh, the, uh, this uh, midterm election coming in November, the Democrats would lose the, uh, uh, the House and she will no longer be the speaker uh, you know, next January when, when the, uh, the next Congress convenes. So she had, uh, if she wanted to go, she had a very limited time uh, windows, so to speak, to, to go. So uh, April, uh, not possible. Then, you know, back in, uh, you, know, sub, uh, you know, in September, there will be a very busy time for the Congress again for many bills. So if she had to go, you know, the only possible uh, open window is uh, in the summer. Mm. So I think, you know, and uh, because of all other factors, her personal uh, political uh, considerations, and uh, most importantly, uh, we, we have to consider this in a very broader uh, context, which is the U.S. government as a whole. By the way, Nancy Pelosi is part of the U.S. government. We normally talk about the uh, executive branch, but she is part of the uh, right. uh, legislation branch of the U.S. government. So it represents the U.S. government, uh, you know, mind and thinking. So I think uh, the broader context is in the, in the last few years, the U.S. has uh, knowingly uh, tried to, uh, you know, elevate the so-called Taiwan status, trying to support Taiwan by mm. providing weapons, okay. by providing all sorts of help. Right. So this is uh, inevitable. Let me get to my guest in America, Peter. How do you look at the sheer amount of work that they have put in? I mean, the delegation has put in, of course, with the backing of the U.S. military to keep her safe um, on this trip that has been apparently against the advice of the military or, um, you know, not supported by the president. We don't know any vocal support, but definitely he didn't stand out. Mr. Biden didn't stand out and speak against it. So why such so much ado for exactly what? Well, the point you're making, I think, is correct. That most American leaders see this as a dangerous provocation and a reckless act on her part. Congress has been very quiet in the United States when it comes to foreign policy. They've been willing to open the floodgates of funding, whether it's for any of the wars the U.S. gets involved in or the wars the U.S. supports, but Congress has not been actively involved in policymaking when it comes to foreign policy. So the fact that she would assert herself this way at this time, in a way that seems to go against U.S. interests, really, uh, the United States has been putting pressure on China not to give military aid to Russia and Ukraine. 
The United States needs China's goodwill in terms of climate change, in terms of policy, but U.S. policy toward China in recent years has been pretty hostile. And when it comes to Taiwan, this began really under Trump, and people thought that maybe Biden would step back and, and approach it a little more peacefully, but Biden didn't. He doubled down on what Trump was doing in terms of trade war, in terms of inviting the top Taiwanese delegate in the diplomat in the United States to the inauguration, in terms of increased military aid, high-level visits. And so uh, this, this was a crisis that we saw coming, one that was totally avoidable. And the danger is that nobody appreciates and recognizes each other's red lines right now. This was a red line for China, much as, as Ukraine joining NATO was a red line for Russia. But we don't respect each other's red lines, which is why this has become so dangerous. I want to just mention the statement made by Antonio Guterres, mm -hmm. the uh, UN Secretary General yesterday, and he spoke at the uh, at the UN, the NPT Review Conference. Right. He said, humanity is just one misunderstanding, one miscalculation away from nuclear annihilation. And this is exactly the kind of provocation that can create, through miscalculation or deliberate action, the kind of dangerous scenario that could create this kind of catastrophe. Yeah. So it's an essential that we that cooler heads prevail mm -hmm. and that we don't escalate this any further. Yeah. Um, Mr. Hussein, Senator Hussein, I want to get your perspective uh, looking from a third party, uh, from the the way how the trip was organized, how, how her, you know, she was taking U.S. Uh, Air Force planes, she was escorted by, you know, U.S. military forces, she, the kind of uh, military resources put in, and the kind of messages coming out of her meeting already, and the kind of messages she was sending by visiting, for instance, the legislative branch on the island. Is this trip in in any sense unofficial to you, as is claimed by the United States? Well, uh, despite uh, ostensible opposition by the Biden administration and their reservations, I think there's no doubt that there's a segment in Washington, D.C., which is very hawkish and which is keen to spawn a new Cold War. And uh, I may add, just less than a year after the U.S. military defeat in Afghanistan last August, they are stoking up tensions in Asia and I agree with the other uh, colleagues on the panel that it is a deliberate, unwarranted and unnecessary provocation. Uh, it's crossed a red line and it's adding to the anti-China hysteria that we find in certain sections of the West. And I think for Pelosi herself, probably it's a last hurrah because she's on the way out uh, most likely in November. And I think uh, domestic politics is one aspect. And then there's a broader context of geopolitics. As an Asian country, Pakistan is in West Asia, but we see the talk of Indo-Pacific strategy, we talk of an Asian NATO, Quad, AUKUS, and if you connect the dots, uh, we are looking at uh, uh, the US administration, or shall we say the US military industrial complex, looking for a new enemy in China or trying to conjure up a so-called China threat and uh, they are trying to destabilize Asia by this visit, uh, which I think was totally uncalled for and unwarranted. And it doesn't serve American interests, neither the interests of peace, security and stability in Asia.
There were some Taiwan residents uh, who protested in front of the hotel that uh, Nancy Pelosi uh, was staying, and I talked to one of them, which is a doctor who is Dr. Huang Zhixian, a senior Taiwan television commentator. Let's hear what she had to say this morning. Pelosi is not qualified to come. It's as simple as that. Taiwan belongs to China. China did not give you permission to come, but you came anyway. That's trespassing and setting foot in my house. This is the biggest insult, humiliation, and disrespect. Pelosi didn't say she supports Taiwan independence, but her actions convey that. The supporters of Taiwan independence are the enemies of China and Chinese people. So very, very strong uh, emotions there. And of course, a lot of uh, people here on the mainland share exactly that kind of sentiment. Uh, Professor Chen, how do you see her trip impacting China-U.S. ties? Do you think there will be a lasting uh, negative impact on bilateral ties because of this incident? I'm increasingly uh, afraid of uh, such behavior, uh, the impact you are talking about. I think. Uh, Given the uh, global situation, given the past uh, four or three years, U.S. government uh, increasing support for Taiwan uh, under all sorts of uh, uh, excuses. So I'm afraid that that's uh, going to be a, a sort of long-term uh, trend. That means uh, I'm afraid the U.S. government will continue to, uh, you know, to increase support uh, to, to Taiwan and therefore to uh, to undermine uh, the cross-strait relations and also to undermine U.S.-China relations and the regional uh, stability. As in, in, uh, Professor Peter just mentioned, the Biden government just doubled down on the previous you know, Trump administration's uh, uh, policy. So I think this is not good news. This will uh, only lead to uh, more uh, frictions and, and the confrontations uh, in, in the region. I think the uh, cooler heads, I hope, will eventually mm -hmm. uh, reassess the right. impact of this uh, so, uh, meaningless you know, chip. Right. There were a lot of call for military action here on the Chinese mainland. Uh, the Chinese people, a lot of people were very angry with this open provocation. But China's reaction, let's give people a, a brief idea. For instance, shortly before Pelosi landed, China's uh, Su-35 fighter jets crossed the Taiwan Strait. And Chinese People's Liberation Army also started a series of drills in the air and water surrounding Taiwan immediately after she landed. This, of course, come after already several uh, military exercises were taking place before she went on the trip as a kind of deterrence. So, Professor Chen, how do you look at China's official reaction so far on the military side? Um, how moderate, how responsible, how appropriate in your eyes? And what could possibly be the rationale behind China's reactions? Well, first, I think it's a very appropriate uh, for Chinese uh, military to uh, initiate such actions, uh, again, because uh, uh, Pelosi's visit is a very serious violation of our One China principle and uh, will lead to regional uh, instability and, and other problems. So our military has to uh, respond in a very uh, resonant way to demonstrate our uh, capability and our willingness uh, to maintain the peace and the prosperity in this region. 
So I think uh, this message is very clear, but we only hope the U.S. government and uh, uh, Nancy Pelosi herself would uh, uh, hear this message uh, well and hope uh, they would uh, reassess the situation and come back to a more uh, moderate uh, approach uh, mm -hmm. toward this issue. And that would uh, uh, lower the instability level of the uh, cross-strait mm -hmm. situation and yeah. eventually U.S.-China relationship. Peter, how do you read into the reactions China has sent? Of course, very strong, very strong wording before the trip was made, but it seems that China didn't go all out in, you know, uh, trying to escort the plane or th not prevent her from landing in Taipei or anything too dramatic, but rather took uh, a, a toned down approach. How do you look at that? And how is that message being perceived in the United States? It's clear that we knew before this how angry China was about this. We knew beforehand how seriously China took this, uh, this situation. Uh, but we also know that the Chinese leaders do not want a military confrontation. They don't want to escalate this to the point where there's going to be a military confrontation. So they're sending a very strong signal. They're, they're responding militarily with these live fire drills. They're responding economically, uh, sanctions against imports from Taiwan. They're responding with cyber attacks on Taiwan. So it's a strong response, but it's a limited response. And as Professor Chen says, those of us of goodwill would like to see this calm down and see our governments working together again to solve the real problems that we all face. But this kind of unnecessary provocation could worsen the situation. There are many who believe, and many of my friends in China who believe, that this is a watershed moment and that we're not going to be able to turn back from this. I don't accept that. It's not necessarily the case, but that danger is very, very real right now. Mm. Senator Hussein, how do you look at China's reactions the mil on the military side? Do you think such reactions are just the right amount to send a strong message, uh, but not possibly escalating tension or even step into result in any miscalculation uh, or mili military confrontation between any sides? I would say that China's response has been measured, it has been matured, and it is the right response because China has not fallen into the American trap. They want to paint China as the aggressor, as the assertive, domineering power of Asia, as even almost sort of a warmonger, and China has not done that. And I think that is the right response. Uh, they have said you have crossed a red line, they have condemned that, they have taken the necessary measures, but uh, short of provoking a crisis. And it should not be a tit-for-tat response to the warmongering or the provocation from the American side. And I think given the context, uh, Asian countries would appreciate that response because they don't want uh, new tensions and new conflicts of confrontation in a region which is already seeing a lot of uh, hysteria about China, about the new Cold War. So it's the right response at the right time. 
But some Chinese people are actually not satisfied, let's say, with the level of uh, strength shown in such responses. Professor Chen, I'm, I'm sure you are aware of such voices. Even among some experts, they were uh, advocating for a stronger approach so that China can deter future attempts to make such visits either by U.S. officials, U.S. congressmen, or future U.S. House speakers, or speakers or congresspeople from other continents, from other Western countries. How uh, do you look at the kind of dilemma on the Chinese side? On the one hand, it does not want to escalate tension, but on the, on the other hand, it wants to send a message strong enough to deter future possible uh, such visits. Well, that's a very good question. I think, uh, number one, we needed to show our resolve, right? We needed to demonstrate that we have the capability and the willingness to uh, stop this kind of uh, provocation uh, and conflict in, in the future. I think, uh, to some degree, that's working. But we also needed to look at this from a long-term view. So it's not like a one-time exercise. It's not like a one-night uh, military drill. We should look at this from uh, you know several years uh, uh, term you know perspective. We understand that this is a process and how we try to uh, lower the temperature uh, in the cross situation. How we try to stabilize uh, the region and how we try to uh, stabilize U.S.-China relations. We will take a multi-year effort to do this. So this military exercise or related measures is only a uh, part of that uh, long-term multi-year process uh, magic. So uh, as long as we understand this, I think uh, we will not be disappointed by the you know, seemingly uh, uh, non, uh, maybe not strong enough measures. I think it's uh, very appropriate and it's uh, also reassuring our regional partners. You know, we don't want to make trouble. We just wanted to maintain peace and stability. So it's the, you know, the other side, you know, the politicians from the U.S., the irresponsible ones that are making this uh, provocations. So hmm. we, I think we are doing fine. Hmm. Peter, how do you foresee the kind of uh, perception of uh, China's reactions? Of course, there are people who say, look, China caved in. Uh, Nancy, you went for it and China uh, got the message and they don't have the guts to react more strongly. Uh, but other people would say, OK, China reacted responsibly uh, and not escalate the conflict. How much do you think will fall into this latter category and really appreciate and get the message that China wants to send that we don't want confrontation, we want a longer term peace and, you know, the right environment for cooperation between the China and the United States? I think China's response has been fairly measured and that most Americans will see it that way. You have to remember that there are some extreme hawks in the United States also. There are people on the right, some of the old Trump people who are pushing for a much more aggressive U.S. policy. We've had visits to Taiwan by Mike Pompeo, the former Secretary of State, Mark Esper, the former Secretary of Defense, and they don't like the one China policy. They want to recognize Taiwan's independence. And there are also military people in the U.S. who think that this is the time for the military confrontation because the U.S. has about as strong an advantage now over China as it's going to have. China is increasing its nuclear arsenal, modernizing, more sophisticated, uh, and other military capabilities. So we had those people throughout the Cold War who felt that way toward the Soviet Union. And now there are China hawks in the United States who are much more dangerous. The people around Biden, he surrounded himself with 18 
top advisors from the Center for New American Security. These people are China hawks, but not nearly as extreme as the China hawks in the Trump administration. So they're more realist. We can work together. And I think uh, that people on both sides need to be reaching out with diplomacy. It's a time for diplomacy, aggressive diplomacy. China's made its point. Everybody understands that. Now it's time to move diplomatically. Let's take a look at some international reactions before and uh, after uh, she landed in Taipei. Um, she visited Singapore, for instance, and uh, Singaporean Prime Minister Li Xianlong clearly highlighted the importance of stable U.S.-China relations for regional peace and security. And this is echoed uh, to many people surprised by Japanese Foreign Minister and the spokesperson of the Ministry of Foreign Affairs of the Republic of Korea, who uh, sent the same message that they want a stable China-U.S. relation. They want stable regional peace and security. The United Nations also reiterated its support for the One China um, principle by mentioning the Resolution 2758 of 1971. So, uh, Senator Hussein, how do you look at these statements, these united, unanimous concerted voices about how, how much people in the region don't want an unstable, unstable and, uh, you know, uh, stirred up tension in the Asia-Pacific? All these countries that you mentioned who have given very responsible statements about uh, uh, China are also members of the RCEP, the Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership, in which the U.S. is not a member. So you can see the future of Asia, they feel, lies in connectivity, cooperation, whether it's the Belt and Road Initiative of China or trade and investment, not in conflict and confrontation. And as I was just reading an op-ed also by uh, there are same voices in the U.S. also. Tom Friedman wrote, it is utterly reckless for Pelosi to go there. And I was reading The Guardian, which is a major paper from London, and they were saying the biggest demonstration in Taipei was against Pelosi. And you mentioned the lady who spoke there, right. and there were placards of Yankee go home and that sort of thing. So the mood, the public opinion is going on the other side. And I think the Biden administration and the Hawks are on the wrong side of history. Uh, and I think that uh, this won't work out, even for U.S. interests. And the U.S. economy is in a shambles. They can't sustain a new Cold War. I think better sense should prevail, and that is the mood in Asia. And I hope it is resonating finally in Washington, D.C. as well. Peter, uh, are we going to see worsening ties between the two sides? Is there anything to be positive on? I think we're going to see worsening situation for a while, and then we'll step back from that. It's good that Biden and Xi Jinping did have a two-hour conversation okay. on the phone a few days ago. Mm -hmm. We need more diplomacy of that sort. We need to be talking to each other. Thank you so much to my three guests, uh, Professor Chen Dingding joining us from Jinnan University, Peter Kuznick from the American University, and last but not least, uh, Senator Mushahid Hussein, Chairman of Pakistan Senate Defense Committee. Thank you very much for your great insights. And with that, we come to the end of this edition of The Point with me, Li Xin. As always, you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter using the handle Li Xin in Beijing. You've got The Point.